Welcome, welcome to the Abuan Chronicles podcast. This podcast is hosted by five black Muslim women. Hafsa, Ikran, Istahil, and Zahra. It's your girl Ummo, your resident Crip, here to remind you that the first letter of Crip stands for community. Join us every month as we talk about our personal experiences, pop culture, identity, and politics. Assalamu alaikum, everybody. Welcome to another, yet another episode of the Abuan Chronicles podcast. I'm Hafsa, and with me is Ikran. Um, we also have two special guests, Fadum and Abdullahi. Um, and today we're going to be talking about wealth, money, finance, saving, all those things that you need to deal with and worry about once you enter that postgraduate realm and, you know, it hits you, adulthood. So our guest today, do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Abdullahi, go ahead. Uh, my name is Abdullahi. I am from Toronto, uh, currently a student and, you know, interested in money, obviously, making money. <laughs> what about you, Fadima? Hi, I'm Fadima. I'm from Calgary, Alberta, and I work as a financial analyst and money is my thing so i'm excited for this episode today oh, mashallah cool 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 not too many i don't i don't hear about too many Somali people getting into like finance finance uh that's so that's kind of cool like, like i hear a bit about like accounting but finance not too much well i actually did an accounting background like i did a degree in accounting and i just finished my certification for the cpa but i work as a financial analyst at a university right now so do a little bit of financial reporting internal audit as well as treasury and finance i think like for this episode this episode was a long one coming and i think we all have input in this money money is something that we all deal with whether you're a student whether you're a graduate whatever that may be but i think it started to become more of a serious topic when we all started realizing, you know, we have to be more financially responsible for yourselves and possibly others. And that whole territory just, it hits you, especially a year or two into your careers, into your jobs, and everybody's buying a house, everybody's investing, everybody's doing this or that. Saving up for a car. Or trying to pay back OSAP. Oh, oh my, my God. God, let's not Triggering. even. I feel like people, nobody even does that. <laughs> people would just forget about OSAP and just ignore that fact. When you're graduating, you don't really think about it, right? So it's just one of those things where, ah, uh, you know, I was getting money. And then, you know, on that, uh, I'd say six months after that mill hit, uh, like, see that mill come, uh, that paper comes in the mill. The letter. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, how you been doing? Uh, you know, by the way, next month we want this much back. Does that give you a little bit of anxiety when you get that letter and it says, oh, you need to start, you know, paying and or the interest starts counting and get on it, guys. How does that make you feel? You ready? I don't know. Well, I that I'd say that uh, I say I'm not ready for that right now. But the minute it hits you, I that's why like I I personally would love to save up before, but it's obviously not realistically possible to have enough money before that. But I don't know. I haven't experienced that yet. But when it does, you know, I'm just one of those things I'm not thinking about right now. <laughs> yeah, but just to yeah. clarify for people who don't know what OSAP is, it's just a student loan in Ontario. Um, so I took out student loans as well. And one thing that I wish I did was just put in a little bit of money towards it while I was in school, even if it was $100 per paycheck for my part time job. Because once you graduate, and that interest starts, I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot. I mean, in Alberta, it's six point three point four five percent And then the federal is 7% interest. But on the amount we take out, that's actually a lot of money compounding daily. I guess a question is, can you start paying back your loans while you're still taking them? Like, do they still give you, like, let's say you're like, you're in your third year and you're still planning to take OSAP the next year. Can you start putting money yeah. into it? Okay. Cause I didn't know that. Cause I keep saving up for paying back OSAP, but I just never mm -hmm. put it 
towards that. I just keep it. Because I didn't know I could, like, yeah. actually start paying it off. Because I was like, what if I start paying it off and they stop giving me grants? Because they can see that I'm paying. Yeah, I don't know how it works in Ontario. But here, you can... It's just like taking out a personal line of credit or any type of loan. You can always pay it off. But even what you're doing right now is really good where you're saving up separately to pay it off eventually. But as long as you do it before the interest starts accumulating. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Like, yeah. I feel like... Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a Canadian thing where interest is really belittled. Because interest, like in Islam especially, is such a big deal. Like it's so haram yeah. that it's not even something you can, you should even be like, contemplating whether or not the interest rate is a lot. Like whether it's two yeah. percent or five percent, it doesn't matter because you shouldn't even be technically mm-hmm. paying it at all. So I know it's yeah. hard for like people to pay it off, but it's also like I don't know. You just kind of have to weigh out the yeah. Sorry, another option that a lot of people do is. Um... You know, when you get your um, loan and your grant, they'll take the grant and they'll just give back yeah, the loan or, or they'll put the loan, loan aside and pay that off later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, um, I mean, like you have all these youths and everybody just, you know, the minute their loan drops, shopping. Yeah. Always, you know, that it always drops right before, like, you know, the iPhone comes out. So everyone is ready. <laughs> ah, I got a new iPhone this year. It does. That's exactly mm-hmm. it. Or yeah. uh, this year I'm going to get the new laptop. But yeah, mm-hmm. you use that money that you always get, like that extra, you always get that, you know, a little, I'd say, w- little extra kicker and keep that aside mm-hmm. or throw it right back into the loan, I'd say, throw it back and just pay that uh, pay that off as soon as possible, you know, instead of you yeah. using it. It's a trick though, because they're giving it to 18 year olds. They're giving like so much money to like kids who are so young, yeah. right? I was going to say, it's like a lack of education too. At 18, 19, You're getting even 20 like, years old, you don't really stress yeah. about it or think about it. And let's not forget um, families where like the family take the loan. Like there's a lot of families out there where uh, the mom or the dad will be like, oh, your loan dropped here. Where's my lag? Like, where's that at? So even returning the loan isn't an option. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the bursary will go towards your tuition, but the loan goes towards the household or towards this or the rent or whatever else is due in the house. You know what I mean? And that's like, it's part of the whole like collective Somali income. You know what I mean? Like where all of our money comes together in one pool and we all like deal with the, everything towards the house together. You know what I mean? But like, is that really a negative thing? Well, it depends on what side of it you're coming from, right? So if you have to deal with, for instance, right now, we're talking about like your that loan, it's not money, it's not free money. You have to pay that money back with interest, right? So in that case, yes, sure, it's helping the household and all of that stuff. But I think we really play down what that actually, what, it, what that money accounts for and what actually you're going to have to do about it later on, right? And we say right now, people don't pay back their loans or whatever. Um, You know, a lot of people that don't pay back their loans ever, they just, you know, they allow it. You have the bad credit, whatever, they don't care. But it's still, at the end of the day, you take a loan with the intention to pay it back, right? Mm -hmm. So you shouldn't borrow it with the intention of never paying it back. Oh, I feel like some people don't even care enough to even want it. Like people just think, oh, it's the government's money they steal from us anyways. Who cares? (laughs) <laughs> I, like, I've, heard people, I've heard people say that and it's like it's still a dane guys like you still borrowed that money it doesn't matter who you borrowed it from you still have to Absolutely. pay it back but i think there's also like like you said lack of education because i remember when i first moved back to toronto and i was starting like a college program and they were trying to like the financial aid office was telling me about osap and stuff and i didn't understand it and i was like is there any interest and they're like yeah and then whenever I asked people I knew, they'd be like, oh, no, like, there's no interest on it. And, like, six months later, the interest, like, you can get rid of it or something like that. And I literally, I remember calling OSAP, like, five times talking to different people. And I kept asking, is there interest? And they'd be like, oh, the first six months there is or something. And then you can apply for interest relief after the six months. So I'm like, okay, so I'm 
there's still interest on it, right? They're like, yeah, but it's so small. Like, it's probably going to add up to like $50. It's not a big deal. And I'm like, like students were telling me, no, like there's no interest at all. And then I'm calling OSAP and they're saying for six months, there's interest. And then you can apply for interest relief. Like as soon as you graduate, like April 30th, interest starts, right? Yep. Right? So like April Mm -hmm. 30th is usually the last day. So like May 1st, like it starts. A lot of people, I don't know if they don't know that or if they just like choose to be willfully ignorant. But there's that. If you're just finding out about this right now, Allah, you should go. To be honest, Akron, like that sounds more like willful ignorance because people have been taking OSAP for a while now. It's not something that just started yesterday. You know, it's from how 20, 30 years, Somalis have been taking these loans. So I can't, I can't be convinced that nobody knows that interest comes on at some point, no matter what relief you get or whatever you're playing. Even if you're getting relief, you're applying for that. There's no guarantee. So we kind of know what's going on. It's, I think it's something that people just don't want to contemplate about because we don't have a choice a lot of the time. There is no other option when you are somebody from a lower socioeconomic status and you're trying to go to university, get an education. I mean, I think everybody applies, nearly everyone applies for student loan regardless of their income and then they then get allocated a certain amount, right? Uh, whether that's a bursary or a loan regardless. So it's just something that needs to be done in this. Like, I feel like I don't agree with that, that it needs to be done because that's like a whole other discussion. Yeah, yeah. There's the, there are other options, but this is the most conventional way that people do it. I mean, other options in terms of, yeah, of course, there's people who work one year, study one year, work one and alternate, you know, continue to alternate. That's an option, of course. Yeah, but I mean, like, even now, like, a lot of university. The, like, now the grants are trash. But I mean, like, earlier, they were giving quite a lot of, like, in-student grants. So if you're just looking at the difference between your tuition and the grant, it's it's definitely payable without taking a loan. But I'm not, like, I couldn't 100% say. But, like, for me, at least my tuition. That's That's you, but that's you without any financial responsibilities. Let's not forget that. A lot of people that do, do take loans and grants, they have financial. Imagine those situations where there's, uh, I'd say, there's uh, like a family of seven, and this, this, I'd say first, I'd say first child of the family is first time going to university, has to work at the same time and help put food on the table. You know, um, it also depends on the program you take. I feel because at the university I went to, for example, if you're doing a science degree versus a business or engineering degree. A science degree, the course might be $600 per course, whereas I had to pay about $800 per course. And then if you're doing engineering, that's $1,400 per course. Exactly. You know? I know engineering is like the most expensive. Yeah. It's the most expensive, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, but also the most rewarding at the same time, if you think about it, to some degree. Um, not not in again, this job that, market. That... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, sorry, continue. No, I was just going to say like, okay, true. Like, I feel like for me, I am speaking from a place of privilege. Like I didn't, I didn't have to really take loans for undergrad because I studied in the UAE and everything and I just came here and I just took the grant but like I just feel like despite like where I'm coming from I just just hearing because I've heard a lot of lectures on interest and how haram it it is and it's like not a joke so regardless I don't know if we can say like in this like there's nowhere that I've come across like in Islamic like lectures or literature or anything where it says like oh like you can't pay for school then that's okay. You can take entry. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if we can say, like, we have no it's choice. Not, uh, to, because. But it can't, it can't, to be honest, though, that's, I think you're, we're going into gray area now. Uh, bio, it's not that no black and white literally, like. You know, what I mean to say is, what I mean to say is, is that, like, in terms of justification, I don't think that. Personally, me, I can't go around saying that Islamically, I know what is a thousand percent right and a thousand percent wrong. And if everybody's sinning for taking these loans and all of that stuff, I can't answer that question. And I'm pretty sure that if it was 
as um it's not of course this isn't the best option but i'm pretty sure if it was and we are maybe taking it a bit trivially but then again it, would it be this normalized if it was that wild uh, yeah do you, know but there are a lot do you know what i mean or if it was that easy to find alternatives sorry exactly yeah. if it, if we had other options like i understand like if we had other options where we could get like interest-free loans or whatever a thousand percent people would be going for that but think about it this way the same people who are taking out loans for osap or whatever they're not buying mortgages or getting like you know um cars with interest and all that stuff right i mean they're not down that a lot most of them that i know personally anyways are not going down that path right so i doubt to these people that they're thinking oh um the interest doesn't matter to me obviously it matters to them but they don't have another option i mean just think about like your friends and your family like the people that you know around you especially like if they're in more demanding programs you know what i mean like my little sister's in a very demanding program she comes back home at midnight she's like she tried taking a part-time job but she struggled with keeping it because she just didn't have the time so in that instance and then for instance like if you say okay you know work one year take a year off that prolongs everything so if you're working like a minimum wage job and um you're working one year and then you're not working the next and everything you might end up graduating in seven eight nine years yeah do you know what i mean So it's just like, it's a question of, uh, that's why I think it's not as black and white as we would like it to be or want it to be. Mm-hmm. It's it's very, there's a lot of gray area. And I think that's another reason why a lot of the scholars in North America or in these Western countries don't have like set rulings about this because then, you know, because they know the situation. It's not, it's not easy. It's the same way, like there's, there's rulings like this about lots of things in Islam that might are more difficult out in the West, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I think like in that sense, I would suggest we take a step back from that, from the from the Islamic ruling standpoint and like, yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I wanted to add on the, um, the thing about working one year, going back to school, taking time off to work again. Like mm-hmm. some schools will kick you out for not finishing your program in X amount of years. Yes. There's a like, time frame that you need to finish it. Six or something. In. Yeah. Six to seven, depending on your school. Yeah. And sometimes you can't take two semest- semesters in a row off and then go back to school and then take time off again. You know, there's just so many restrictions that we need to take into consideration. Okay. So in the beginning, we touched a little bit on this, but um, I think we mentioned something about um, hagbed money. Some people call it a yuto. Some people call it, I've never heard this word in my life. Shalongo. Yeah. I have. Ooh, my dad calls it shalongo. Okay. Is that Swahili? No. But um, I know a lot of people um, actually use that to get rid of their loans or to save in general. So like if we're talking about, forget about like university and whatnot. Every, I think everybody's hoy is in some kind of hagbed. 100%. Um, some of us might be in hagbeds ourselves. Yeah, Hoya has, I know she has a couple. Yeah, I'm in a couple myself. Bam, have you heard about these, forget about like the yearly ones is cool and all, but have you guys heard about these five-year hagabeds? Yeah. Five, people be buying life. houses. Well, I, I died, I absolutely died when Hoya was telling me about it. That's so smart though, like it's a really good way of saving your money. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's like, um, so for people who don't know what a hagabed or a yuto or a shalonga is, it's basically, there's a word for it in English, but I can't, I'll just explain what it is. It's when people, a group of people come together, they contribute every month to a pot of money, and that pot then goes to one person, and it goes on for X amount of months, so that every month somebody's getting that big pot of money. And it could be, it could range the the money you're putting in can range from any amount and usually people use this as a form of saving um if they intend to you know 
if they're trying to pay tuition, like any any specific reason why you might need a large amount of money, people then tend to use this method. So back in the day, I heard about it like for school and stuff. People now are using it to buy houses. For buying a house. To buy cars, cars. Buy whatever. Yeah. It's smart, Wallahi, yeah. though. I really like it. It's smart. And then you know who the money is going to because that person needs it. And it's kind of like everyone gets to kind of benefit from the pool of money, right? Yeah. Yeah, but can I ask a question? Like the trust, the, like the level of trust, though, is that not bizarre to everybody? Like the amount when you do when you think about the amounts of money, like when I think about the money that got lost in the Dixon raids, you know what I mean? Like it's just oh it, it breaks your heart, you know what I mean? Like how the way some people are so trusting with one another, mm-hmm. it's kind of scary. For those who don't know, they I think they how much was the amount? Was it f- almost five hundred k something like that? You know that would was like five hundred k. No, no, it was like a number of. Like different headbands. It was like a number different of different, a different, yeah, a lot of different, like, Ayuta monies was collected. They seized it as drug money, but it was, they raided Somali Hoya houses. So it was definitely Ayuta's. It's actually beyond sad, but I mean, the entire time, like, I remember asking Hoya the other day, like, does she know anybody that's ever run off with the headband money? And she's like, house of the, in, like, my entire life, I think I only know one person who's done that. And she, like, ostracized herself from the Somali community. So, like, she cut herself off completely. She moved to a new city. She's just living. She ignored, like, anytime anybody brings it up, she ignores it. But, like, Whoa. but, like, well, some other people don't forget, so... Oh, they don't. You have to come up with a new identity. There's no way you can survive <laughs> after that. T, T, I am T, la acta, la Never. She's never going to oh. get away with it. Of course. But what oh do you guys think God. about it? Would Would you guys, like, invest your money in the Hagbad? Like, if, for instance, right now, um, Abdullah, you're graduating... So would you want to go into Hagbed to pay off your loans, for instance? I'm currently in Hagbed to pay off my loans. <laughs> Do you know everyone in your Hagbed? <laughs> uh, well, it's just one of those where I, I personally don't know. Like, I, I don't, I'm, uh, it's normally done with, within Somali Hoyas, right? Yeah. And I just told my mom, hey, Hoya, I'm looking for an Ayuta, you know, to um, pay off my student loans. Oh, really? Okay, I'm going to look for one. And then I, th- I think uh, it then your mother obviously screens yeah, screens yeah. and sees what's going on and how much and what you're looking for and stuff like that. And it took a little bit of a while, but we found one. And then uh, I'd say um, 100% it is, I say, scary in the be- the beginning. And you want to know who's in the Hegbed, right? So I said, oh, yeah, who are you giving my money to, by the way? And then she, like, as much as she can describe to me, hey, it's this person and this person. And it's normally people that you mostly know. Or at least you know a couple of people, you know? Yeah. You don't, you, you never go in a hegbed blindly, at least, you know? Like, yeah. hey, I don't know no one in here. I think someone always has to vouch. Yeah, like there's someone who knows everyone. Exactly. And if you're like, the if you only know one person, the one person that you know is probably the most reliable person, yeah. And vouching for you to come in. And that's another thing. It's a, it's a circle too. You have to be vouch, like they have to trust you to come in also. Yeah. It's not only you trusting them with their money. They also have to trust you. So it's usually like, that's how it is for me. I know a few people, but then they they know everyone that's in the, the Hegbed. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, I guess now, like we've been doing it for a while. So like everyone knows each other. And then like, whenever there's a new Hegbed that's coming up, they'll be like, hey, do you guys know anyone who wants to join? And it's just kind of like this expanding circle that just keeps like giving. <laughs> mm-hmm. But do you think there's yeah. a future for Hegbeds? Like, I mean... As we grow older and the money, like, we're the ones who want to do hegbeds with each other. Do you think there's a future for that? Because I feel like a lot of that culture has, that trusting culture has been lost. I can totally imagine, like, some Somali girl running off with all the hegbed money. Like, that's something I can see very easily happening. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, true. But, I mean, I feel like it still depends on, like, like the one I'm in, it's all, like, girls, like, my age. 
like like our age. Oh, really? Yeah, like it's the I'm next not in generation the of so, of youths. Yeah, like I'm not like wow. I'm literally in three, and all of them are like relatively like the same circles that are kind of overlapping. Like there's a lesser hagbed, and then like a little like more, and then like a bigger one. So like whoever wants to join, kind of joins. Mm-hmm. But it's like one girl who's kind of like almost organizing all three of them. But like everyone wow. who's in it is like. Like in their like twenties, early thirties. Shout out to her, mashallah. Yeah, mashallah. So can I ask? Can I ask a question about that? That um, a user or whatever. Um, I know that normally, like for instance, if a Somali mom can't put the money into the hagbed because I don't know she didn't get her paycheck that month or whatever, she'll get that money from somewhere else to put it in. Um, do like younger people do it the same way? Because or do they come up with excuses like, oh, I didn't get, I didn't work this month, so I didn't get it. Like you know, you know what I mean. Do they actually like? Are they invested or are they like messing about? So far, no one's like. Every we have like a date. Everyone like we do e transfers, so like everyone e transfers it by a certain date. Like so far, we haven't had that issue. Like if someone's like, oh, like I'm gonna pay it like two days later, they'll just go oh, like I'll send it two days, and they'll just tell the person who's supposed to get it. How long has it been running? If you don't mind me asking, year like January or December or something, okay. and then like I joined ones like a few months after. So like each one has been going on one at least one of them's been six plus months. Mashallah. That's really good. Bad. Okay. There's hope yet. There's hope yet. There's hope. There is. Mm. I mean, as long as you're doing with people you know, have said, like, if we started one and then we just keep adding people that we know personally, right? Then, like, the chances of, like, someone running off your, with your money is pretty slim. Like, I, I want to discuss one thing that I'd say uh, for a is like, it has a lot of benefits, but, you know, one of the minuses is that, let's just say that it, it, the way Hafsa was talking about, you know, that just that one month where you have an extra ex- expense or you didn't work or something happens, you know, that's the one thing. That's the only one downside I'd say about a in general. A if you're really bad at saving, it's the best thing for you because it's, it counts as an expense. It's not something you consider, you know, as extra cash flow. But if, uh, I'd say if you're really good with your money, there, there are some people who are really good with their money, you know, and very fiscally responsible. Those people sometimes might not need a Yuto. And if you feel like you can save up, because let's just say you're put in a situation, as I said, you need an extra ex- expense. If you're in that Yuto, that you can never stop that. You need to still. You need to, I'd say, you need to handle both situations versus if you're saving up a side, you can literally take some money aside or th- the amount you need and just put it towards whatever was used, uh, I'd say, in that situation where you needed it. But you know where else that works, though? Um, the the Ayuto? Um, in situations where, like, okay, so if if you have if you have parents who are always like, okay, how much do you have? Give it to me now. Da 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 da. da. You know, always on you about this kind of about your money. Basically, you could always have if you have if you're in Hagbad or you don't have to worry about like kind of I don't want to say lying to your parents but like hiding things from your parents about how much you have mm-hmm. or whatever because it's you could be like oh I'm in this heck but I have to pay it off I have to pay it off you know what I mean so it's like literally your money's out of your hands right whereas if it's in your bank account um like you can't really I don't know how comfortable people are with this but I can't really if Hoy asked me right now I thank god she hasn't asked me how much is in your bank account exactly <laughs> I am in trouble. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas like if you're in a hagbed, you don't have to really worry about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, mm. eventually that amount's gonna come in. Um, you can like dance around the topic, you know what I mean? So it's just a bit mm-hmm. of a um situation in that sense. And I think like we spoke about this a lot where because of the whole like money situation, like these all of these like f- cash flows or whatever, they're with Somali style cash flows and all of that. 
they have their own pros and cons and they kind of work hand in hand with each other at the same time like still respect so your parents a lot of time will respect the hagbed more than they respect mm-hmm. your savings account you know oh, 100% so it's like something you, you got to use it you know what i'm saying so it's a struggle but so why do you think like a lot of us opt to using hagbeds like i'm speaking about myself are we just really bad at saving money and we're financially irresponsible like for those of us who can't save without a hagbed let's ask the finance expert honestly you could i think one of the things the thing that i do is i have a completely separate bank account for my savings and it just auto withdraws from my checking account okay and i don't have the online banking app for the savings account on my phone. Oh, that's smart. So I'm never tempted to access that money. That's And it's smart. just like an emergency rainy fund kind of account. And if you're actually, if you're willing to go all the way to the bank and do it, like, then that means yeah. you actually really yeah, like, need it. You know those ones? Mm-hmm. Like I don't keep the card for my savings in my wallet. I don't, I don't have the account number memorized, so I cannot access it at all. Unless like I really need to, then I'll put in the effort. So if I'm saving up for a trip or like I'm just for my emergency fund, that's what I do. Because otherwise, if I have it all on the same bank, it's all on my app. You know, I can just easily transfer yeah. savings to checking every single time. That's what I do. I literally just use yeah. money out. And I have like different accounts. Like I've made a different account where I transfer mm-hmm. it to and I'm saving. But then when I need it, I'll just transfer it back. <laughs> yeah. And you just need Lovely. to make it like auto withdrawal. So you don't think about it. If it's not in your site, you're not going to think about it. That's what I realized. You did a good job with opening a new one. Just make sure you don't have it accessible to you. Yeah. That's all you need to do. And that's it. So just uh, rip up that card next time and you're good. Yeah, that's. I think that's where me and Akron are struggling because literally my... Um, so I did the same thing. I opened a separate account for my savings. But I still have like on my um, mobile app or my phone app, but my, my banking app, sorry. Like it has all the accounts there. So all I'm doing is like Monopoly playing with the money, you know, moving it here or yeah. there. And it's like, is it really, where do we go from here? You know what I'm saying? So it's, 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 it's smart. Like the whole, I wonder how I could remove it from my app though. I'm going to have to look into that. But, um, with savings accounts though, the one thing that I found that was a bit of a struggle. So when I went to my bank and I said, I wanted to open a savings account, they're like, sure, but just know that there's going to be a little bit of interest on it. So what I had to do instead was open a check, like a second checking account with the same bank. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I do. Yeah. I yeah, or just do a checking account with a completely different bank. Does the same bank not do a checking yeah. account? Because I, I did like, I have like three checking accounts with my bank. You have two checking accounts and then they just label it as savings. And that's pretty much it. Exactly. That's exactly that's how it is on my it. phone. Yeah. Honestly, I realized the value of having my savings in a completely different bank account was um, in March, I got hacked. So I had like my, yeah, I had my MasterCard, um, I have a MasterCard. So they did a cash advance, wiped out my MasterCard and wiped out my checking account. So if I had my savings on there, that would have been gone too. But like, alhamdulillah, my bank refunded me for everything. But you never know, right? I had to wait five business days to get that money. So I didn't have any money to spend. At least I had the savings account to fall back onto. Wow. So do you think, you know how like, you know how like a lot of these saving accounts, specifically the the actual, the real savings accounts that banks set up for you, they're basically investing your money, interest, all of that. Do you guys ever feel like you're missing out or that 
um, you're losing out on opportunities to grow your money, especially, I don't know if any of you guys put your money in investments or um, stocks or any of that stuff, but in the sense of like banking, do you feel like you're missing out? And do you, what do you, what would you like to explore basically to help grow whatever savings you do have? I'd say personally, like you always have the idea, hey, I want to, I want to like invest in stocks or I want to put my money in a place where I know I'd get like consistent growth and stuff like that. But finding the right place and finding the right place to uh, invest it in is also really important because I'd say I don't mind using in general, me personally, like if I have extra money, but savings is a whole different story, right? It's something that I personally fall back on and stuff like that when I'm in crazy situations. So, uh, before, uh, it's a, uh, before you make a decision like that, make sure like you do the research. And I need uh, me personally, I would say it's even harder for me to do that. Cause I don't know. I, I just, I, I don't know. So, like I hate being in scams. I hate being scammed. It's just the idea of me being scammed or like me putting my, putting my money in a place where I might lose it is just a little bit scary. You know, taking a risk, yes, here and there, but you know, it has to be like a smart calculator risk. I think you have to have a certain amount of money to be willing to risk some of it. Which is true. Exactly. Exactly. So not necessarily. You don't, you don't actually have to have, um, such a large amount to put your money in investments. And even when you are investing your money, you can, you can, um, kind of, put in the level of risk that you're willing to take so there's um investments that are more high risk more low risk moderate risk and you could even talk about investments that are eco-friendly um and so environmentally friendly you could look at um clean investments meaning that you can be careful about make sure your money doesn't go where you don't want them where you don't want it to go and there's actually now there's a lot of um before you'd have to go to like an advisor or whatever there's lots of apps and stuff like that for this now i'm speaking not from experience this is what i hear from the grapevine but yeah i I, apparently we do have options but it's just about doing the research and finding out how we're gonna you know get exactly and everything Mm -hmm. no there are options and i think with like investments in islam the issue is when people just invest into a portfolio and there is maybe a debt component to the portfolio or there is stocks from companies that are, for example, engaging in selling alcohol or banking, like regular-based companies. You just said right now, you can look into it, do your research and build your own portfolio of all equity, which would be halal because you're not engaging in debt. And if it's ethical, sustainable companies, then there's no issue there. Exactly. Yeah, you can grow your money that Do way. Do you have any recommendations for like resources that we could access for this? Because I think a lot of the time it's like literally when you ha- I have, I have, for instance, no clue. Like I hear about all this stuff, but I have no clue about where to start. Yeah. So what would you recommend? Honestly, I personally use Well Simple. Oh my god, you sound like a, a podcaster right now. Every single podcast I, no, I actually, watch, it's I actually really good. It's, it's, oh my god. No, it's it's actually really good and they're very transparent. They give you really good information into the different portfolios. They have actual brokers and advisors you can call. Yeah, so I and you know, every month just like fifty bucks or something. And that's like another account that your money just goes into accumulate, you know? What does it do exactly? It's just you're investing into portfolios and you pick and choose your own portfolio, your own risk level, all of that. And then what do you get out of that? It's just another form of investing your money. Yeah. And you can invest into equity. And the way equity works is you're basically investing into companies. And at year end, when they're profitable or whatever, you know, you get your dividend cut or your profit cut. So it's just like investing into a business. 
And they show you if there's a debt component, if there's halal companies, all of that. Oh, does, do they actually label them as halal? Yeah, if it's a halal investment. Oh, yeah. Wow. What simple is the move wow. then? That makes okay, sense. Okay, yeah. well, simple it is. Okay, well, I, what, like, whoever came up with that, smart. Oh my goodness. Because I have, um, there's this guy I work with and he's like um, a mortgage broker. Well, he was a mortgage broker um, and now he's working as a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. But he was telling mm-hmm. me about how when he was, you know, involved in all of that, and that was b- back up in, um, he was up in Birmingham, which is like majority, not majority Muslim, but like a good Muslim population in that city. And he, like, he would basically mm-hmm. as a um, mortgage broker, he would like deal with different types of loans and all of that and he had like good knowledge as to islamic banking so there's a lot a lot of people that are involved in that field of banking and whatnot they do have an idea as to the halal options and you just have to go and actually ask them about it like how many times have you gone to your bank and and they've and you've talked about interest and they completely understand why you don't want interest they they know exactly what you're looking for so a lot of these investment companies like for instance wealth simple i'm not surprised that they've tapped into that it's like and i i'm not and i'm really surprised that more haven't tapped into that and like you know there's a whole market for it around the world so that's cool Allahim. honestly i think in the coming years we'll see more of it because people are realizing that muslims are a huge like consumer a huge market yeah i'm really waiting for a solution for um the housing situation because wallahi these people are thieves like the whole islam like islamic housing the way you buy islam have you, you guys know about how people buy houses out west islamically right have you heard about it no could, could you explain so basically oh my god so basically when you say out west do you mean like around here no, i mean like in western countries like in non-Muslim countries Western countries yeah. Okay sorry So yeah, like sorry. in countries Go where ahead. You would normally mm-hmm. buy a house Via mortgage or cash down If you're a multi-billionaire um, So the Islamic Islamic option here is A bank for instance An Islamic bank So here in the UK They have a Rayan bank for instance Would um, kind of go into the house Like buy the house And then they would And then you would every month pay so you put your deposit down And then every month You're paying off the mortgage For the house right So a specific amount For the house and you're also paying rent at the same time. And the greater percentage of the house you own, the less rent you pay. So for instance, um, if you own 50% of the house, you're only going to pay 50% of what the rent should have been. And then if you own 75% of the house, mm. you'd only pay 25% of what the rent should have been. Because you own the house yourself, you're not paying yourself rent. Does that make sense? So you're paying you're paying back, so you're paying rent in addition to, and you're also paying towards yes, the house? exactly. So it's kind of a scam. Um, I see. It is a scam. It is a what scam. other options do we have? Like, that's literally, like, that's how most Islamic housing or, like, people that, um, I don't know, would you call that mortgage? Basically, that's how they that's make the, money. That's the only way that they go about it. That's how it is in the UAE, too, when the bank buys a car and then you buy the car from the bank by making monthly installments. No, in, in, the, UAE, in the UAE, it was different. In the UAE, the bank would pay... Sorry, the bank would, for instance, um, buy the car or the ha- or the or the apartment or the flat or whatever it is, and then um, they'd add on their own profit. So, for instance, if they bought it for a hundred k, they add on twenty five k, and then you split that amount one twenty five over whatever period of time. But I think I think that was uh, that that's cheaper than what we're asked to do out here. That's the, that, that's a little bit too wild, but I I can understand. To be honest, like when you do the math, it's probably like you're paying the same thing as somebody who does a mortgage, but the difference is that this is fixed. Whereas I think mortgage amounts can change over time or whatever. Like the uh, well, I man, it's a mess. But I, I just want, like, because there's so many people now who are like, have, a lot of people that I know who work in, or are in the workforce that are looking to, you know, invest in the housing market and all that stuff. They're either going through the struggle way that I just mentioned, or they're like, you know what, 
mortgage or no mortgage i'm it's like buy a house or bust and they're going down the mortgage route and i don't like i can't no matter what i can't i just can't justify it in my mind because i'm like i'm not gonna die if i don't ha- if i don't own a house and also like a lot of people that are doing that they're doing because they want to flip houses so it's not out of necessity it's out of they want to make more money through the housing market exactly. yeah. so it just that again is another reason why mm-hmm. you can't mm-hmm. justify it to me um honestly like because i live in alberta and here it's especially if you have a big family it's a bit of a challenge to find a rental space like a lot of homes that you rent it's little rooms like three rooms they don't allow huge family so there's fatwas out there that if it's a necessity if it's like to house your family protect your family then you can go down the mortgage route and especially because purchasing houses is such a big thing here like if you if you have a family you own a house kind of culture so a lot of rental properties don't accommodate for families. Okay. So it, it depends on the culture. I where think it depends where you're from, too. Yeah. But it looks like with the way the things are going right now, like in Toronto here, I'm in London. I like I, and I live in London right now. Like the how like rent renting a home is actually ridiculously expensive. It's not it's not normal. It's really not normal and it's not very affordable. T- Toronto right now, can you believe like Dixon rent is like twenty one hundred? That's insane. Outrageous. That doesn't compute. Dixon. Dixon, Dixon, yes, Dixon. Like I'm not saying Dixon's bad. I'm not saying Dixon's bad or anything, but I'd say compare it to like it's it's so wild. Like for a Dixon, for a place that's not even luxury to pay twenty one hundred, that's wild. It's unacceptable in my eyes. It's the municipality's responsibility or the local government or the provincial government's responsibility. They're supposed to put a cap on, especially if you live in a country that's supposedly socialist and not like all this free market capitalist nonsense that's going on down south. If you're actually, there should be be caps on how quickly um, rent could go up. I mean, that's what a lot of housing in New York is like, like they are dealing with. Um, a mess of a housing crisis way before Toronto was dealing with it, right? And they had to put caps on certain um, apartments or areas or whatever. But um, it's like, it's not, That's I think what that's what they're talking about doing here in um, London, for instance. And they've already done that for like um, bus fare and train fare. Like they've capped how fast, like I think for two years here in the city, they're like, it can't go any higher. And I think um, Toronto's already doing that. But I mean, again, it's not the responsibility of the individual it's not going to work um, if you ask a group of people, stop paying this rent or fight the landlords or whatever. And we're not in a position to um, argue that because most of us aren't landowners. Like, okay, I know a lot of Somali people owned apartments in the Dixon Towers and all of that. But in the larger context, most Somalis are not um, homeowners, um, especially when it comes to, in comparison to other ethnic minorities. So I don't think we have That's that true. big of a voice in that sense. Also, I don't think you can argue with the landlord because the landlord has bills to pay as well. So it's more like if you can't pay it, then get out. And there's other aspects to it. For example, if a new government comes in and they raise property taxes, then that means the landlord is forced to raise the rent on you. There's just so many factors involved. Yeah. And to be honest with... Yeah, it depends on a lot of different yeah. things. You're and right. to be honest with a lot of big cities, they're... The move is force out the poor and keep the rich to, you know, encourage economic growth, right? So they don't really care. Yeah, they don't really care if um, poor people are moving out at the end of the day. Your credit score is a three-digit number that can make or break your financial future. So the last thing you want is a low number. Well, you know what? Let's, let's, let's expose ourselves a little bit. No, let's expose ourselves a little bit. What are your credit scores? I know mine is zero, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. What, is, what is the score out of? You're finding that out right now. <laughs> what is the score out of? So I like the credit know. scores, it starts from 300, ends at 900, I believe. To have a good credit score, you need to be about 700 and above. Okay, so I have a good credit score. Wait, what, what is your score then? My score dipped a little bit, but it used to be but now it's a little over I had to do a bunch of shopping um, for furniture, so they had to do a bunch of credit checks. But do you know like how many points each of these checks actually take from your credit score? Because it never makes sense to me. Um, so I don't know exactly how they calculate the points, but I know that every time that you try to open a credit card or some type of loan account, it impacts your credit card. And the big thing is when you have a credit card, if you go over like 30% of the limit, like if you utilize more than 30% of it, yeah, that actually impacts you. Wait, what do you mean if you utilize more than 30%? If you go over 30% or you have a balance of over 30%? Like if you're consistently utilizing over 30% of the credit. Allah, Allah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so stupid though. That makes no sense to me. So if I have twenty five hundred uh, credit limit on my card, I can only use seven hundred fifty. Yeah. That, that's so dumb. I mean, you you can use more than seven hundred and fifty, but like with, you have the twenty one day grace period, right? So pay it off then. Oh, so as long as you yeah, pay yeah, it yeah. Off, you're good. Though. Yeah. Well, so yeah, so you have a balance of over thirty oh, percent. That's what yeah, consistently like every single time. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. And the what like the reason why I wanted to talk about credit reports and credit scores is like I feel like a lot of because I went to a workshop a couple weeks ago, like a credit workshop with Somali. It was like hosted by a Somali community, and when our facilitator mentioned credit reports, I realized none of the Somali moms knew what it was. Like actually, a lot of the people in there did not know what a credit report is, how to access it, what it means. And I think it's really important to keep track of that. For example, if I wanted to go get um, a car right now, I could get 0% like interest on it if, you know, if I knew how to maintain my credit score and um, kept an eye on that and all of that. So you can get really good deals on loans. And I mean, we live, we live in Canada. Sometimes it's really hard to live without getting a loan or financing for something. Whereas if you don't keep, even if you, you might even get hacked and someone might be using your information and you don't even know and your credit yeah, is just... Yeah, you won't know unless you're constantly... Yeah, exactly. And a lot of banks, like right now, because of all the breaches happening, a lot of banks let you access your credit score for free every month, like the entire credit report. So you see if anyone's done a credit check on you, if, you know, there's been any applications under your name, what all your balances are. Things like that. All of a sudden, you wake up one day and you see a mortgage on your name. Wild. <laughs> yeah. It happens. For me, I actually had that problem about two years ago. Uh, RBC started offering this feature to check your credit score for free. And so that was the first time I actually tried to check my credit score slash credit report. And when I went on it, there was all these inquiries that were made on my account. And I knew they were for like done on my behalf because they were done prior to when I moved back to Toronto so I only got my credit card like maybe 2016 but there were like inquiries on my account in 2013 2014 um with Rogers and Bell which I don't even have services with and so like I looked at my account and then it had my name like my full name Ikran and then my like dad's name and my last name and then and then it also had also known as Ifrah and then my dad's name and my last name. So the only thing different 
different was literally like our first names and then um i realized that like that same year when i checked my credit score i've been getting calls like that september by like collectors agencies and stuff like that but i kept hanging up on them and blocking their number because i was so confused why they were calling confused to as to why they were calling me and um yeah so i guess it's like super important to check your credit report to make sure there are no weird fraudulent activities you know on it mm-hmm. yeah so could you Faye, could you tell us what what do you normally see on a credit report too like you see like yeah so you'll see i think in the la- last six years or seven years all of your history like all the accounts you've opened all the balances on them if you've ever missed any payments that's all recorded on there when the accounts were closed and all like inquiries and checks done on you are all stated on there. Wow. And you can use websites. Borrowell is the one that I, is one that I use right now. Another one is Equifax. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to access it. What I find interesting okay. about having credit yeah. cards is the whole concept of like credit cards and credit scores is borrow money, pay it back. We're going to score you to prove that you're good at borrowing money. And paying it back. It's kind of messed up if you really think about it. They're just It's it's a way to enable you. The problem with that is it's like, okay, so it's telling you, you work, like the whole idea of working on your credit, sto- credit score is so bizarre, right? So if you're not the kind of person, if you like, for instance, if you're not about, um, you know, um, getting a mortgage or whatever and all that, all that big stuff, then why is it relevant? But then you have to deal with, I remember when I first went, when I went back to Canada after living in the Emirates, and I try to get a phone and a plan, and they laughed at me. They're like, "You have zero credit. You have." They're like, "You have no credit. You are like not even on the system." Because I literally had I hadn't been in Canada since I was a, I hadn't had an account in Canada since I was like a preteen, right? So literally, like I had like in order for me to get anything, I would have to get like somebody to be my, you know, um, what is it, a guarantor or whatever, and like I'd have to start like fresh or they were like you have to have a job and work that job for like a certain number of months so like after like three or four months actually well it was actually a joke after two months or three months i was working and they were like hey here you go you can get a credit card your credit's this much blah, 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 blah. like and you just like you know you could basically do whatever right but it's actually like sometimes having no credit at all is worse than having bad credit which is mad. And then because of that, you can't do little things, you know, things that you need, for instance, like a card, a little credit card or like um, getting a uh, phone or a laptop or like the, the regular things that you th- like, not even things that you need to get a loan for. But like, I just wanted to get a phone plan. Yeah, I just want I had my phone already. All I wanted was basically a SIM card and they were giving me a headache. Do you know what I mean? So it's just it's a hectic. You could have gotten a prepaid card, though. Yeah. I didn't want that, but anyways. You probably can because that's pay as you pay as you use, you know? That that one's probably okay. But like it's understandable though. In like would you trust anyone that you know nothing Fair about? Enough, yeah. No. So the credit I'd say your credit report is basically uh, your trust yeah. and like how good you are with money. So w- I personally would not trust a person who doesn't is not good with money and wouldn't pay me back. So that's what they that's I'd say what these companies use and go for. And if you have nothing, it's just I don't want to say it's just as alarming, but they know nothing about you. You're completely blank. Yeah. So what's your credit score, Hafsa? Um, to be honest, I have never ever checked it. Really? I have never checked. I have never ever checked. You should. You should. Yeah. I've never checked it in Canada and I've never checked mm. it in the UK, so. 
But what are you? I'm low key kind of shook about this whole like the balance thing you just told me about. Thirty percent, Allah. Yeah. <laughs> Is the balance like at the end of the month? So it depends. It depends on your credit. It depends on the type of credit card you have too. I have example like there's there's cards that are called charge cards. So this one you have to pay the total balance mm-hmm. fully, no questions asked. So it has to be zero each month. But there's some credit cards that they send you like, hey, this is how much you got to pay us. And then these are the minimum payments and stuff like that. But so long as you pay off that balance, they won't charge you interest. And although the time from when they sent you that bill from right now is okay. So so just out of so curiosity, so when you know how they always tell you, so you have the total mm-hmm. amount that you borrowed for that month with a credit card, right? And then you have the amount they tell you, mm-hmm. oh, you need to make this minimum payment, right? So if you yeah. just pay the minimum payment, like, of course, you're going to get charged interest for the rest. Forget about that. But I mean, like, in terms of how does that affect your credit? Um, it's better than not making any payment or making less than the minimum payment. Like, that's just like the bare minimum you can do. So the minimum payment is that you have to pay 30%? No, the minimum payment is usually about 2% of your balance, your I believe. Balance. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's usually very, very low. Sometimes it's 20 bucks, 60 bucks. For the whole month. But the thing about the minimum, sorry, the minimum payment, some people will just make the minimum payment. And if you calculate it, it's actually going to take them maybe five years to pay off like a $2,000 balance. Mm -hmm. It takes forever to pay off. But if you miss that minimum payment is when your credit goes downhill. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So as long as you make your payments and you have zero every month before the deadline, like your payment deadline, then you're good. But wait, but wait, 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 wait. Okay, one one minute. The th- back to the thirty percent thing. So, say for instance, I pay off that. I borrowed thirty. Or, I borrowed fifty percent. Okay, and I pay off that fifty percent before okay. the whatever my deadline was. And the next month, I borrow fifty percent again. I'm still above the thirty percent. So yeah. am I screwed? That's fine. Yeah, because no. at the end of the term, like at the end of the balance period, like the credit period or whatever, you you don't really have a balance remaining, right? It's going to be zero. zero. But what if, yeah. no, no, but what so if I pay the 30% it off? is balanced well, no, as no, what in, if I pay it off and then before the end of the period, I start, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I'm using my credit card continuously, right? Man, this money yeah. thing, mm-hmm. um, wallahi. Let me explain the 30% balance thing. This is what you guys don't understand. You guys, in a sense where you're thinking, I'm going to pay off everything. This is if you don't pay off everything and you have a balance of more than 30%. You get it? So I'm not going to pay off the, everything in 21 days. I'm going to get interest. But just make, they're saying, how it, it, she's saying that it impacts your credit score if you have a balance of more than 30% of your total. Yeah. Get it? So let's just say your 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 you know how let's just say our credit card's a thousand the a thousand is the mm-hmm. limit. So we we use eight hundred and then we pay it off total. Your balance is zero. But let's just say I have a thousand dollar credit card. I use I use five hundred. I only pay off a hundred. That that means I have forty percent balance. Yeah. Which is which that means it impacts your credit score a little bit because you're supposed to have not supposed to but they prefer you have a thirty percent and less. Yeah. Balance on your credit okay. card. Get it? So this is if you didn't pay it by your payment date. There you go. Yeah. So some people go like, I'd say not, some people go like the minimum payment route versus I'd say, uh, I'd say right now we're paying off all of it. You get it? Mm-hmm. Exactly. You just become more risky when you have a balance on your thing every single time that's as high as 30% or more. I always have a balance, but it's always like a new balance. Yeah, that's okay. I guess the other option is just raising your yeah. credit limit. You so. <laughs> <laughs> so you need a good that score. That means more to do responsibility. That. 
So I wanted to ask, how can we maintain a good credit score? So is it um, just paying your bills on time? Does having multiple credit cards affect your credit score? Uh, things like that. Um, it's better to just have maybe one or two cards and just like try to keep the balance as low as possible. There's no benefit in constantly applying to cards here and there all the time and just because that just increases the hard hits you get on your credit card, your credit report, the number of people looking into it, right? Well, I wish I knew that sooner because every time a new place tells me I get 50% off if I have their credit card. Yeah, I so credit card. you know how many times, you know, you've applied to, you know, those when you're standing outside, huh? like example, the Raptors, uh, like, you know, apply for the Masters, Raptors, uh, MasterCard, yeah. you get, you, you'll get, exactly, or you, you'll get this and you'll get that, and the free promos, it's not worth mm-hmm. it. And them. honestly, it's, it's, a, it's it impacts a, your credit score. Yeah, it's a business to them. Their objective mm-hmm. is to get customers who are not going to make payments so they can collect interest on it, you know? And right now, like, there's so many credit card options. Every bank is offering, like, 10 different options. So you just need to put in research to find the right one for you. Exactly. I just don't use it. That's a problem. Like, I have multiple, but I don't actually use any of them except, like, one specific one. Like, for example, if you're a student, like, there's no reason for you to have, like, something crazy like, oh, I need a, I need a American Express this. Like, you just need something that will get you by. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so you don't need to get those big boy ones and stuff like that. You'll come to that you know, eventually. Just use what you want, like, what you get. Like, example, there's there's student MasterCards. Like, I know BMO has, like, the SBC student credit cards. Yeah. So just do what's best for you. Make sure you do your own research. And before you apply to a credit card, know what you're getting yourself mm-hmm. into. And a mm-hmm. lot of them, like you can benefit from them yourself if you're making your payments. Like my, I have an American Express as well. And the same one as Abdullah, the charge card. So I have to make the full payment every month. So I don't incur interest on anything, but I get my Aeroplan points, which I get Costco gift cards or Shoppers wow. Drug Mart or the Bay or even towards flights. So I'm not paying anything extra on it, but it's just like a perk that I get out of it, right? Exactly. Oh, we trust you with your money. If you pay it on time, this is what we're going to give you, you know? Yeah. Each one has its own benefit, just, yeah. Mm -hmm. But yours? Mine is like cashback, which is pretty good. But also, I get 5% off cashback, 5% cashback when I do grocery shopping, which is like the most I'll ever get. But I don't. Like, I didn't used to do that much grocery shopping, so maybe it wasn't the best card for me. No, but the the cashback is also, like, at the end of the year, the amount you use, they give you cashback towards the end they, of the year. For you me, know, they right? do it every month. So, like, they kind of add it. Every they month. They add oh, it on okay. every mm-hmm. month. And then, but you get more, mm-hmm. ca- like, I, I'll get more cashback if I'm doing grocery shopping with the card, right? But I barely yeah. do grocery mm-hmm. shopping with the card. So, I'm still getting money back on all my other purchases, but not as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that means it's not the right credit card for you. Like that could be the family grocery credit card or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you just need to mm-hmm. tailor, tailor exactly. your card towards what you know the need and all of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. like an example. An example is the cards. A lot of cards right now give you points or um, discounts towards gas. So if you're mm-hmm. not driving, like. <laughs> There's no reason for you to have like a a Petro Canada exactly. or a gas station credit card. Well, I think like just to conclude all of this, I think Wallahi, what I learned today is that I need to smarten up when it comes to being fiscally responsible <laughs> because I have learned way too much today. I'm a we all do a lot. <laughs> I should have known this information a while back, but um, yeah, Wallahi, it was a really interesting discussion. Um, I think there's there's probably a lot more to talk about when it comes to 
finance and all of that and I'm sure there's like a million other questions out there um, but I think that's well I at some point we're probably gonna do a part two at some point in the distant future but just want to to all of our listeners if you do have any questions you'd like answered by anybody here today or any questions that you'd like us to do a little bit more research about and talk about in our next topic in our next episode about Somali wealth um, or finance and all of that please email us at abuanchronicles at gmail.com or send us a curious cat message. Um, we're curiouscat.me slash podcast. And we also have our Instagram and our Twitter accounts um, that are at podcast on both, inshallah. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Wallahi. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you. No problem. And wallahi, we learned we need to count some cars, need to make some payments, need to sort our lives. Well, simple. Check your credit score. That's the first thing you should do. Yeah, yeah, oh my goodness. But um yeah, um thank you guys so much for joining. Um oh and do you guys want to share your socials by any chance? Or you're not about that life? Mm. You don't have to. Uh, I don't I don't I'm I'm not about that life still. Um sure. <laughs> so you can share okay. for share a phase. So no, I'm yeah, blessed. I only have an Instagram and it's Bokora B O Q O R A D. Like the Ooh. Queen. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, Bridget. look so at if you. Any of you guys have those um, you know, finance questions? <laughs> Those burning questions, you want to work out your portfolio or something, <laughs> follow them over here.